Well, if you have a copy of the Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Paul's letter to the Romans. It's in the New Testament. You have the four Gospels in the book of Acts and then Romans. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to pick up in verse 18. Romans 8, 18. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about groans and glory. Groans and glory. And today our text is kind of, kind of a groan sandwich. What I mean by that is Paul starts out talking about glory. And then he talks about groaning, then he talks some more about groaning, then he finishes up talking about glory again. And it's kind of like glory is the bun or the bread, and, and groaning is the meat of the sandwich. And where we pick up in our text today, Paul has just gotten through saying that we as Christians have been adopted into God's family. When we, become, uh, when we get saved, when we become Christians, he uh, brings us into his family, and we are God's sons and daughters. We once were estranged from him, but now we've been brought close. And, uh, and then he says that, that we will one day experience and enjoy and share in the glory of God. In heaven, we, uh, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, and therefore we are going to share in that glory. But he says right before our text today that uh, if we're going to experience the glory, it shouldn't surprise us if we don't share in some sufferings as well. And, and that's really the way uh, God's system operates, isn't it? It's always the cross before the crown. And so what he says is, uh, you're going to suffer with Christ, but you will experience the glory. And so, um, and so what he does in our text today is, is he gives us a word of encouragement. And it, it kind of counteracts that idea that we might tend to slip into that... Uh, that if I'm going to be a Christian, God's just going to make everything all smooth sailing for me. God's going to make all my paths uh, straight and smooth. And, and he counteracts that and says, no, there's going to be some suffering along the way. So if you found Romans 8 and verse 18, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word. And, and I want you to see as we, as we read through this that uh, we, along with all of creation, are suffering and experiencing vanity now but we should anxiously await Christ's return and the following glory that we'll take part in. Uh, he says in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Thank you. you may be seated. Now the first thing that Paul tells us is, is that we need to keep our eyes uh, on the glory that awaits us. And he starts out by talking first about suffering. He talks about suffering. Now, now that's something that all of us can identify with to some extent or another, can't we? And, and, and suffering covers just a, a, a vast array of things. It, maybe for somebody it involves cancer. Or somebody else it might involve uh, being bedridden. Or somebody else might be MS or some other debilitating disease. Somebody else might suffer from a mental illness. Or they might suffer from depression. 
And, and really, this suffering can cover all sorts of things. And each of those things is true, but I, this really links back to what he's just gotten through saying right before our text. And if you have the Bible, you might look up in the first couple, uh, the couple verses right before this. He says that he says that one of these days you're going to be suffering for Christ. And this is what he. I think this is how it links back. He's saying that all this stuff is true. Uh, you're, you're going to experience. If you're a Christian, you're going to experience the glories of heaven. And that's going to outweigh any suffering that you do here. But this is especially true for those who are suffering for the cause of Christ. If you're going to be a Christian, the Bible says you will endure persecution of some kind. Now he says that in verse 18, he says, After careful consideration, I reckon. Now I use that phrase, I reckon, a lot. Uh, Paul uses it, and it means it doesn't just mean I think. It means that I've considered this, I've thought about it. And I've, I've weighed all these things, and I'm firmly convinced that the sufferings we face, real as they are, are not worthy to be, look at verse 18, to be compared to the glory that we'll experience. Now, there are some, some people who say, well, suffering in this life isn't real. You know, I think it's the Christian scientists who say, that's all just a state of mind. It's, it's all in your mind, suffering isn't real, change the way you think, and, and your, your circumstances will change. I heard a, about a guy who had a sick friend, and he went and sat with him for a while, and, and they had a mutual friend who's a Christian scientist, and he saw him, and he said, hey, how's our friend doing? He said, well, he's not doing well. He is, he's very, very sick. And the man said, well, the Christian scientist said, well, that, that's all just If he'll just change the way he's thinking, uh, he'll stop suffering from that. Well, a few days later, he saw the man again and said, hey, how's our friend doing? He said, well... I guess he thinks he's dead. <laughs> you know, suffering is real. And sometimes we, in, as Christians, we, kinda, we try to kind of downplay it, don't we? Because we go through hard times, and, and sometimes it kind of knocks us off our feet. And, and to seem, we, I think maybe it makes us feel like we're less spiritual whenever we're suffering. And, and if, we, if we tell somebody, well, you know what, I'm having a hard time, I think maybe in the back of our minds we maybe are thinking, boy, I, I sure hope that, they don't think less of me. They don't think that I'm less of a Christian because I'm, I'm experiencing a tough time because we tend to think everybody else has their stuff together, don't we? But everybody is, is going through the same stuff that we are. And, and what he's saying is the sufferings that we experience are real, and, but when we're going through them, they seem insurmountable, don't they? When we're, when we're going through a time of pain or grief or, or, or anxiety or, or whatever it is, we tend to think, this problem is so big, this issue is so big that no matter what happens, number one, nothing can overcome it, but number two, nothing good could even compare to it. It's just too bad. But for the Christian, Paul says, that's just not true. Suffering in this life is temporary. No matter how you cut it, one of these days your suffering will end. But the glory that we experience in heaven is eternal. And that's one of the reasons he says in verse 18 that, that, that what we're experiencing in this life uh, doesn't even compare to the glory that we'll experience. But also not just, the, uh, not just the, 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 the length of the glory, but also the degree of glory is going to be so much better and so big that whatever we're facing doesn't compare. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, But just as it is written... Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, what, what Paul is saying is, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
I mean, we, we, we try to think of heaven. And I saw somebody about heaven just, just this week. And she said, you know, I've always, I have insomnia. And her idea of heaven is taking a big old long nap. And you know what? I think if, if, that's, if that's what's going to make you happy in heaven, you'll probably take a nap for a while. Amen. There we go. I knew I'd get an amen from my wife. But no, I mean, the glory that we'll experience doesn't even, I mean, the, the pain that we're experiencing doesn't even compare to, to the good that we're going to experience, not just in the length that we're going to experience it, but we can't even imagine how good it's going to be. Your wildest imagination isn't going to get even close to what God's prepared for us. And I, I think that's pretty cool. And, and sometimes when we're facing adversity, that hope is all that we can, all, about all that we can hold on to, isn't it? I don't know how many times we've, you, you get in those situations and you think, man, I sure am glad we got heaven. And that, at, at, at points in our lives, that's about all that we can say. I sure am glad that heaven's coming because this life is not too good. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying in verse 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. But then he goes on and he says, you know what? You as Christians are not alone in suffering. In fact, all of creation is suffering and experiencing futility, or your Bible may say vanity. And what he says is creation longs to be freed from the futility that's been subjected to. Now, this passage, while I was reading and I was studying, and on a lot of passages, you read several uh, different scholars and stuff, and they say a lot of the same things. Um, I mean, on, on a lot of the stuff, the, the interpretation is pretty straightforward, but on this text, I mean, everybody who wrote something had a different idea about what Paul was saying. Well, I'll tell you what I think he's saying. This is, just, this is the gist of, of what he's getting at, I, I believe. I believe what he's saying is that the whole creation was affected by man's sin. You remember that in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned and, and God cursed the ground. You remember that? He said, thorns and thistles, uh, the, the land will produce and, and you'll have to uh, earn, your, earn your living, earn your bread by the sweat of your brow and, and all these things. He's talking, Paul's talking here, he's alluding to what happened in Eden. He's saying that when man sinned, it affected everything. All of creation, not just the ground, but the animals, and, and everything is affected because of man's sin. Now, beyond just uh, producing weeds, you'll notice that the Bible here talks about it being cursed with futility or vanity. That means a loss of purpose. You're going to work. And he said, vanity of vanities. It just seems so pointless sometimes whenever we're working. Or maybe you, you go, out in the, go out in the garden and you pull weeds. And before you get in the house, another one's popped up, right? I mean, we've had times in, in our garden when the plants that we planted don't grow. The only things that will grow are weeds. And it's, you just look at it and you say, vanity of vanities. What's the point? It's, what's the purpose of doing all this work. And, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that, you know, it's not just we as, as humans that experience this futility, this loss of purpose, but also all of creation is experiencing that as well because of, of man's sin. And, and we see this constant state of, of decay, this constant state of death, don't we? I mean, you look at, at the world around us, 
Lady, now I'm going to help us men. Guys, it's Valentine's Day today. Ladies, anybody get any flowers? I know she did. But anybody else get any flowers? Not just today, but ever. You got, you've gotten flowers, right? Those flowers don't stay pretty forever, do they? After a while, they turn brown and, and they wither up. And you spend all this money on flowers, and, and in a week or two, they're in the trash. Doesn't make any sense to me. But, whatever. But that, that's just that state of decay, isn't it? I mean, you, you go out in the woods. There are trees laying there decomposing. There's a state of decay. There's a state of death that we're always seeing. Uh, animals are affected by this. Sometimes they're the victims of man's cruelty. Uh, some of them have to take part, not so much in, in our, our day and time in this country, but, but several years ago and in other parts of the world, some of them have to take part in the labors that man was subjected to. We have tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes and tsunamis, and I can't help but think whenever I read about creation experiencing these birth pains until the present time, in verse 22, I, I, I can't help but think about all these upheavals in nature. And I think what he's saying here is that this is not the way God originally created stuff. You remember when you read the book of Genesis, uh, whenever he creates things, he says, that's good. In fact, he says, that's very good. But we look out there and we see that things aren't the way that they were supposed to be. All of creation is affected by this. But also if you look in, uh, in, in verse... Uh, 23 and following, it's not just creation that suffers, but he also says that we as Christians are groaning. Have you grown lately? Had a circumstance in your life where you just kind of said, oh, oh, I just, it's just too much. I just can't make it. Paul says that's, that's just part of, uh, that's part of our lives. And notice how he describes this in verse 23. He says that we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, we today don't talk about first fruits too much, but it was a common idea back in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And what first fruits was is back in the Old Testament, they lived, uh, they lived in an agricultural society. They raised sheep, they raised cattle, uh, but they also raised crops. And so what the farmer would do is he would plant some crops. Let's say he, let's say he planted some, some wheat, well, that field, as it would begin to, to ripen, the farmer would go in and he would make a cutting stuff that had ripened first. And he would take those first into the, into the tabernacle or into the temple and he would present them to God. And what he was saying was, God, this all came from you and because of what you've done, this is, there's going to be a harvest that follows that looks just like this. This is, this is a representative sample of what's coming. And so Paul here in, in verse 23 says that we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. And what that's saying is, is that we as Christians experience the blessings of, of God through the Holy Spirit in this life. That's the first fruits. And what that's, what's, what that's getting at is it's these blessings that we experience, that's just a foretaste of what we're going to experience in heaven. But also, I also notice just as, as I uh, look at verses 23 to 25, 
and just kind of take, it, take the big picture, I notice that being a Christian does not exempt us from suffering, does it? So many times I hear on TV or I hear sometimes on the radio about what somebody has called the joy boys. Those, those televangelists, those preachers who will promise, if you'll just sow your seed, if you'll just make your pledge, if you'll just do this, that, and the other, if you'll just use the right words, that God's will for you is always health, wealth, and, and prosperity. But that's not what Paul says. He says that, that we as Christians are going to suffer. And so if you're suffering, if you're experiencing some kind of pain or affliction, don't let that fact alone make you think that you're not a Christian. Because Paul says that we ourselves groan within ourselves. And what do we wait for? Look at, uh, look at verse 23. We are waiting for, as, as we see this tension between uh, the, the, the glories, the blessings that the Spirit pours out on us, and we see this affliction that we're facing. There's a tension there. And it makes us, according to verse 23, it makes us long for the adoption of sons. Now, this is not to say that when we become Christians that we're not actually part of God's family. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is what we are in position is not actually revealed in its fullness. In other words, we're really part of God's family, but we still have to deal with sin. We're part of God's family but we still live in a fallen world. And what, what Paul is saying is, one of these days, that adoption is going to be complete. Our bodies are going to be redeemed. We're going to experience the resurrection. And we're going to, uh, our bodies will be prepared to be with God forever. And that, if you'll notice in verse, uh, verses 24 and 25, that's the hope that we have. And we should persevere in holding on to that hope. And as I said before, sometimes whenever we're going through a trial, whenever we're going through a hard time, that hope is really about all we can hold on to. And that's, that's okay. That's what Paul says. And if you're going through a hard time, I want to encourage you, don't give up on God. Your affliction is temporary. It's, it's real. But you know what? You'll get through it. God will see you through it. And one day when we got, see God face to face, so to speak, all this hard time that we've had is going to be outweighed. Now, that's, that's hard whenever we're in the midst of the suffering to, to really believe that. But that's what the Bible says. Hold on to that hope because one of these days we're going to experience glory. We'll see God face to face. And what we will experience is, is so incredible it will absolutely blow us away. Why don't you stand with me as the musician comes. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what's going on in your hearts. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I know that even in a group this size, there's bound to be some trouble somewhere. Family situation, job situation, health situation. 
And maybe you just need right now just to, and maybe you're to the point where you don't know what to pray, how to pray. Paul goes on to say that, that we don't know a lot of times even what to say. But the Spirit intercedes for us. Maybe you just need to take this opportunity to bring whatever it is in your life to God and just offer it up to Him. Maybe you don't even have words that you can form. You just bring it to Him. Maybe you're at that point where you need to just hold on to the hope of the resurrection. The hope that one of these days you're not going to be going through this, but you will see God. And whatever he has in store for us as as Christians is so much better than anything we can imagine. Maybe you need to get saved today. Now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that becoming a Christian is going to solve your problems. Because Christ didn't come to get you out of your troubles a lot of times. He just came to get in trouble with you. But I'll tell you one problem he will fix, and that's your sin trouble. have your sins forgiven if you'll repent of your sin and turn to him in faith Heavenly Father Lord we all know the experience of suffering in some way to some degree or another Lord I ask that as we face this this life that we live God, I ask that you'd help us to uh, to do so in faith. I ask that you'd help us to um, to hold on to that hope and to look forward to those those uh, those coming ages when we'll be in your presence. God, for the person maybe who's who's hearing this today, or maybe we'll uh, hear it on CD or the internet or wherever it is. God, I pray that you would encourage them, uplift them, help them as they're facing uh, their circumstances. Help them to not give up on you. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to uh, get saved today, we pray for uh, that as well. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.